0: Sri Gauri Vaishnava Guru Paramparā ki jāya, Sri Sī Gaurādham Ādhava ki jāya, Srimad Bhagavad Gita ki jāya, Gaut Bhaktabhanda ki jāya, Gaut Premanande.
1: Good
0: morning. Well, I wanted to speak a little bit from the Bhagavad Gita. You may be familiar with Bhagavad Gita. Are you? A little bit? And uh, what about you? <laughs> a little bit, bit. that 's what everybody says forever because they' a little bit a little bit familiar, me too, and I wrote a commentary on it so it 's uh, one of those books that seem to keep speaking to you uh, over the over the centuries um, we're gonna, this morning we 're going to enter the ninth chapter the ninth the chapter is the center of the book it consists of eighteen chapters and um, ninth chapter is in the center and sometimes reasons that the uh, if you want to hide something you put it in the center of the book so it's the center in more ways than one Hmm? more than just in terms of the page count also in terms of content Hmm? and um the subject of this chapter is um the king of knowledge, the king of the secret of secrets. The chapter begins with those words. Right? Rajavidya, Rajaguyam. Krishna says, I'm going to tell you Arjun, his uh, his friend, that um, whom he's in, instructing, that I'm going to speak to you about the highest knowledge and the most secret of secrets. So, again... This is the uh, central chapter, if you will. And as it turns out, it's all about what do we call bhakti? Bhakti. Bhakti, jnana, yoga, karma. These are, of course, uh, Sanskrit terms that come from India and Hinduism, but um, they have universal application. Hmm? And go through them just real briefly. Mm. Uh, karma is a word that literally means action, and um, it uh, also refers to a general path, a general kind of religious path mm. that is tread by the majority of people oh. who are. Um, of a religious disposition or spiritual, of spiritual interest. Um, because karma means action, and it refers to action in this world. Along with it is a reaction. So, if you take from the environment, then the environment seeks to get its satisfaction back, to be repaid, so to speak. Material nature is like a machine, a very sophisticated machine. A mistaken idea in some sectors of modern philosophy, that we ourselves are just machines because nature is, is so, well, at least it was thought for centuries to be very mechanistic. Now that's up for grabs also questionable. Um, as the scientific community, for example, moves from a, a Newtonian perspective on the world to a quantum perspective, which they haven't really fully digested yet. Hmm. But, um, but uh, at any rate, according to the Hindus, when we interact with nature, hmm, then um, our actions uh, bear a, a fruit of, of a reaction that may not come immediately. So this is the principle of karma. And so the religious path of karma is, uh, is one in which the taking from the world in order to live, which we all have to do, we have to take to live, is done in as least exploitive at least with little exploitation as possible
1: mm-hmm.
0: good idea mm-hmm. um, it's done act, acts are performed in consideration of the whole so to speak but at the same time that type of religious orders, or, orientation keeps us within the um, the the embrace of the of of nature if you will and identified with nature all of whose manifestations be they our bodies our minds be they towns villages planets stars are here today and and gone not tomorrow the next day hmm? So that type of religious orientation that seeks to help us move within the world in the least exploitive way, nonetheless keeps us within the world in which nothing endures. And I think it's um, accurate to say that we all seek something enduring. You know, if you're renting, after a while you think, why don't I buy? Hmm? Um, All the money I'm spending on renting, I could be spending on buying. And there's a sense of permanence and endurance and security. Just to give one example, there are many examples. We all seek enduring um, life. It's quite a problem then, to seek enduring life in relation to things that don't endure. Hmm. And so the path of karma is one of the Gita does not advocate, much as it has its virtue. Hmm? We're going to live in the world and we are, we should live in a sustainable way, something like that. But the point further of the Gita is that's true, all well and good, but there's further considerations as well. Hmm? And, and that is are you, are we Part of the natural world, or are we transnatural in nature? By the natural world, I mean the confines of time and space. Let's say, for example, time-space is a way of talking about matter. Hmm. So, are we then? Are, are we part of that, or are we are we different from that? Hmm. Is the is the are we are we are we quantities? you see um, quantities can change right something could weigh 50 pounds and then it, the same thing could well it could tr- transform it could weigh less uh, or, or um, 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 transformation quantitative things can transform Land can turn into water, water can turn into land, yes. with some other influences. But mm, such is the nature of the quantitative world. Qualities, on the other hand, they can't change. You can't change red to blue. You can change the objects and the light. And so the red is always red, and blue is always blue. Um, and so the qualitative world, instead of the quantitative world, you follow me? The physical world is a quantitative world, and then our subjective internal world of meaning, value, qualities, and so forth happiness, sadness, redness, blueness hmm? these are all uh, experiences,
1: hmm?
0: they're all uh, qualitative. rather than quantitative. Hmm. And the um, question is, so are we of a qualitative nature or are we of a quantitative nature? Are we physical or are we are we material or are we immaterial? Material this sounds kind of negative, but are we physical or, or are we spiritual? Let's put it like that. Hmm. Um, and so, if we are spiritual, then there must be we must endure, despite the fact that the that the, the physical world is, in all of its manifestations, don't endure. They're here today and gone tomorrow. Hmm? And so, that's also somewhat intuitive. Uh, intuitively, most humans feel that there's more to life than what meets the eye and the mind. And the, the Bhagavad Gita says, "You're right, and it's you. You are the more." Hmm? And then it's, it offers different methods by which you can realize that. Hmm. Because we can say theoretically we're, we're more, and we feel that we endure, even though everything around us doesn't endure. Hmm. But, but, but we don't... It's hard to act like that. We have a body, we're attached to different things, and makes our life work, and so on and so forth. So there's a method... That goes with the uh, theory, mm. and these are spiritual methods. Are threefold. Karma is not the method because karma is the method where you acknowledge that there's God, but you, for example, of divinity. But you, the focus is all this world, living in it in the best possible way, and and so you know we might ask God for our daily bread, or who knows what else we might ask Him for, what thing, one thing or another thing. Hmm? This goes on in Hinduism, it goes on in Catholicism, and all forms of Christianity, Judaism, and whatnot. All the different religions have a karmic orientation. In other words, we we think there's a God, we venerate the God in order that our lives on earth will be better. Hmm? We'll be happier here. And God's just kind of like, okay, is that what you want? You know, take this, okay. They're not interested in me. But they're not even interested in themselves Hmm. because they want things and they are not a thing. Hmm. We're not things. It's said that the best things in life are not things. (coughs) Hmm. We have a saying go within or go without. You follow? So so religion for things is really to go without.
1: Mm.
0: There is an existence, this thought, that is derived from having. Think about it. If my existence is derived from having because I have this, because I have that, mm, this thing that thing that person this person because i have them i have an existence hmm? most people's existence is is really derived in their own sensibilities from what they have hmm? i have this i have that i have a passport from this country i'm 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 american i have a certain type of car i'm that kind of person i have Family, I'm a father or a mother or a son or a daughter. And so these are all identifications with the world and what part of it we've been able to kind of attach ourselves to. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's an existence, a sense of I that's derived from having, hmm? a sense of being derived from having, but it's vacuous ultimately because we don't really have anything. Nothing really belongs to us. We can't keep it. Right? As we already said, even planets are here today, and and they will be gone tomorrow. The sun will burn out. Who's protesting? <laughs> Who's bringing it to the attention of the politician? The sun is. They think you are crazy, but but it is true. It's a longer term vision. Hmm? It's. It means the whole thing is a problem, for God's sake. Hmm? <laughs> you can push down here; it will come up there. You push down there; it will come up here. Hmm? The realm of karma is like this. You push down here, it comes up there. It's, it's, it, you listen to any political argument, you will pick one because you have a certain psychology and you, and you like it, but if you really find educated people on the other side, you'll find, oh goodness, they have good arguments too. Hmm? As bad as it may seem to you, hmm? they are good arguments in the opposite direction. Sri Chaitanya, who's the, the founder, the emperor, prince of Kirtan, hmm? in the world, which we're going to talk about here um, after this brief introduction. Um, he uh, demonstrated this to us. He, in his youth, uh, was named Nimai Pandit. Pandit means a learned person. It's a Sanskrit term. They use it to also know the TB Pandit. And, uh, comes to us in the West here through the English and their occupation of of uh, India but, uh, in days gone by. So, Nimai mm. Pandit, he used to give an argument mm. in his student days and the, he would convince everyone, students and teachers and then and defeat all their arguments and then he would go back and take the opposite side mm. and defeat them feed his own arguments, convince everyone. And then he would go back the other way again and come to his original argument. Uh, Because of this, largely Navadweep, where he appeared in the world, became the seat of logic and uh, learning in all of India. It used to be in a place called Mithila, but uh, a, a, a companion of the grandfather of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Bhattacarya, hmm,
1: he
0: went. He, he hailed from Navadweep. He went to Matila and he memorized the logic book there that they wouldn't let be taken out of out of Matila And he went to Navadweep, and and uh, so he was part of that as well. He became a follower of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which Chaitanya was just a young boy at this time And Navadweep. Was the center of all learning. There was a called. It was a system of thinking of thought called Navayaya. Navayaya. It means like. Nav means like you know you want to say like neo. Something you know. Neo cons, neo conservative or something. So so neo logician. I mean they're not the same, but that's the. Nava means neo anyway new a new type of logic mm. indians you may know they're very good at math we it's just, the it industry is like you know all coming out of uh, india you know largely you go to silicon valley we have an ashram in california that's north of silicon valley but we deliver milk to silicon valley every every week 25 gallons a week mm are all Indians that buy our organic raw milk there. Um, anyway, so it's just filled with Indian restaurants and uh, grocery stores and, and so forth, and everybody's in the IT industry. So, anyway, Indians are good at math. It's the, the number zero, which Einstein acknowledged, and it's pretty obvious that you can't do any science without math, and without zero, you really can't do math. At all That comes from India, the, the number zero was discovered if you will. there is a different there are theories that either either numbers and mathematics are either discovered and they already exist or they are human creation to explain. So the majority of mathematicians even today believe that that math is discovered. there are Pythagoras and Euclid. Famous uh, Greek mathematicians of the past, they thought that numbers there was a realm in which numbers were personified and lived. Mm-hmm. Plato also believed this: that there was a realm that was non, not physical, in which mathematical equations lived. It's similar to the Hindi, Indian idea, the Hindu idea of mantras, sound formulas that correspond with certain manifestations of the world. And the utterance of which can also deliver one from the world of birth and death and take one to the non physical realm where numbers are alive, hmm? <laughs> among other things <laughs> um, exciting place so uh, this uh, this Namadipa was a very seat of 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 of, of learning, hmm? and Chaitanya and who was the Prince of kirtan this are you familiar with the term kirtan kirtan it's, it kirtan means um, kirti means to to like to glorify hmm? to glorify hmm? the verse we're going to read today is, mentions the kirtan krishna speaking he says satatam kirtayanto mam gatantas namashantas mām nityam Namastan bhaktiam, yukta upasate. He is speaking about kirtan in the context of speaking about his devotees and how they are characterized in terms of their activities. So this is a verse explaining bhakti. We'll get into that. We're now just explaining the word karma to some extent and how it has it pertains to the world and. And how the world is something that 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 can be transcended, and that, that we are not, um, um, and the idea that we are not physical, and we're not mental. Actually, we're we're spiritual by nature.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, uh, so, so anyway, we were talking about logic, and uh, you press. This is the world. You press down here, it comes up there, and. Uh, this is material life. It's uh, it's uh, to make a comprehensive solution. I said the sun is burning out. So what, what will we do? <laughs> How can we save? You know. So the point is that that if we are to realize our sense that life could be enduring and perfectly happy, it's reasonable to conclude if that's the case that it's not going to happen in a world where manifestations, all the manifestations that are here today and gone tomorrow, including the planets. And so that it, 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 it's our intuitive sense that, that we could endure, we should endure, we should live forever happily. Hmm? I mean, that's how the movies, they all used to end like that. I know they don't all end like that now. They, they try to be more realistic in a sense uh, about this world, but there is a, a dream Hmm. and there is a place hmm, where dreams really do come true. Where is it? It's somewhere over the rainbow, right?
1: <laughs> this,
0: is, uh, this is the realm that Kirtan is, seeks to take us to. Hmm? Hmm. Realms of perception, really. Realms of perception. Now we are perceiving that we have to die. Hmm. That's a perception. It looks like it, right? We said everyone's here today and gone tomorrow. Hmm. But at the same time, we 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 resist it. What is it that's? What's the reason? Where is the resistance coming from? It's the idea in the Hinduism is coming from us because we are a unit of enduring and happy existence, but we've identified with matter. Hmm. And it's here today and gone tomorrow in all its forms. So, it looks like that's happening to us, like a virtual reality hmm, in a computer. It's not really happening to you. You're, you're sitting there, or you sit in the watch the television, and you're going through the emotions, or in the theater of what's happening, and you're crying and you're trembling. And, and as if you're you're okay. You're sitting in a seat there. It's, it's just by way of identification hmm, that uh, these things appear to be happening to you. Hmm. So, so there's a world, mm. the ideas, and you're from that soil that's beyond these comings and goings of the of the, of the the natural world. You are, we are, supernatural. Hmm. And 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 so no matter how you work it, you press down here, it will come up here. You press down. There. And this is what uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tried to show in his early life, that, that, that uh, the moral realm uh, of action, the, re- the realm of reason, the realm of action, the realm of reason, they um, are insufficient. Hmm?
1: Um,
0: they, they, they can't afford you the standing that you actually have. Hmm? However you adjust the world in terms of action by doing the right thing rather than the wrong thing, as long as the orientation is, is within this world, then hmm, you're not going to arrive at a comprehensive good hmm, that's good from all angles. Mm. And, um, and in the realm of reason, also, as I said, you can reason on one side, you can go the other side, you can take any current issue, listen to the best people on either side debate, and you just come away with, yeah, that was right. No, that was right. <laughs> so you, then you'll pick one that you like, because so, you're pre- predisposed psychologically, and so forth. But so we really move by our psychology more than we do by reason, because reason alone will freeze you.
1: Hmm?
0: Reason alone will, will will suspend your animation. You won't. So hmm. that may be good in one sense, because are we moving in the wrong direction? So we may reason in such a way as to the futility of movement in relation to things that don't endure.
1: Hmm?
0: That means we come from karma to gyan. Hmm? So karma is a movement, religious type of movement within this world and gyan is the knowledge. Wait a minute here. Movement, action, karma, in relation to things that don't endure in an effort to create an enduring situation is a folly. Hmm? So reason will cause you to stop moving. In every sense, I mean, because if you really reason, you can't you can't go one side or the other. You you can't pick the liberals or the or the conservatives. It's just like well, you get short circuited. So if you take that same principle, you see, and play it out, then with uh, with with good reasoning, you can reason as to the futility of the pursuit of a enduring life in relation to things that don't endure, or a secure life, in relation to things that are insecure. Hmm? right? I mean, they're insecure and in that they don't really secure your situation. They could be stolen, they could get old, they could break, they could die, and, and all of those things. Hmm? So there's a school, if you will, of, of, of uh, spiritual practice. Now we move from religious practice, which is to to factor God into our everyday life and make it as good as possible. But you still have to die, hmm. so from, move there to from there to spiritual life. Then the words, rather than the pursuit of things, which will just fall through the cracks. You know, you you let's say you get a guy, and he's a prince charming. He could turn into you know something much different <laughs> in due course or we're a girl, we're a lady. Um, so rather than things, and when I say a guy or girl, I mean they're identified with their body and that's how we're looking at them, And so that's a thing and, and so forth. So, so rather than the pursuit of things and asking God's help, we should pursue ourself. So the be, sense of being derived from having is a very vacuous sense of being, because we don't really have anything. Hmm? And all that can change. Hmm? So your identity is going to be shifting with your as much as it's derived from, my, from things that are, are constantly shifting. Do you follow? Hmm? So the being derived from having is practically not to be at all. Hmm? Any more than the things be, in any enduring sense. They're here today, they're gone tomorrow. That's a problem. Now, there is an I, or an identity, a self, that's not derived from things. How do we know that? Well, because who's making the identity derived from things? Attachment, who's being attached to things that's creating an identity? So someone is creating an identity, so to speak, by interacting with things, and it's not a thing, hmm? it's us. But by identifying with things, then its own identities, its actual identity is obscured, and a false identity comes into the fore. Hmm?
1: Hmm.
0: In other words, if there's a false identity derived from the sense that this is mine, hmm, when the nothing is ours, then there must be a real identity also and it's not going to be derived from identifying with things that uh, that aren't really yours, that yeah. nothing belongs to you, you can't keep anything, so the identity derived from that you can't keep either. Hmm? But who's the you that can't keep the identity? <laughs> yeah, that's <is> the point. <laughs> there is a bigger I, and it's not derived from things, hmm? so there's a sense of being, that we can arrive at, that's not derived from having. There's a false sense of being, that be, can be derived from having or trying to have hmm, and get God's help for it. You know, it's like you could have asked him for better things or, you know, more important, something more important. So that's God's perspective on that. But anyway, something better than nothing. So at least be as good as you can in this world. But the good news is that the sense of enduring life and happiness that we, we feel is at the core of reality can be experienced. It's just not in relation to things. So, so anyway, there's an I. So there's a path of knowledge. Path of action, karma, means action in this world. Then there's the path of knowing, of knowledge. Knowledge is not about things, not about having, but about being. Let me give you an example. We can say, I am American, I am a male. I am female, I am black, I am white, I am Catholic, I am Buddhist, I am Hindu, Mm -hmm. I am this or I am that. All of those things change, right? Mm -hmm. Your religion could change. You could become a Hindu, you could become a Christian, you could move to Russia and become a Russian. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend it, but... (laughs) You can <laughs> but uh, um, all those things can change. So I am this or I am that. That identity is fleeting, hmm? but I am. That's another thing. That's for sure, because I could be this in, in, in a in a sense by identifying with it. I could be that, but again, there's a real I. Hmm? And so I am is one thing. I am this, I am that, that's another thing. We could say, "I experienced this." and you could say, "Well, that's false. that's not true." And that might prove to be the case. But you cannot say that I don't experience." That doesn't change. Hmm? Let's look at the world again for a minute, and look at modern science. Modern science proceeds on the belief that there is an objective material world of physical forces. That's a belief. They believe that. We experience that, right? We experience that there's... I'm sitting on something here. Yeah? I experience it. Hmm? So the basis of this chair is an experience. Hmm? Now, it can be shown in science that I'm actually actually sitting on a chair, right? Right? Okay, so what I am sitting on, what is out there, I have an experience, but what it is might not be accurate. Hmm? Science believes, and you can go further to say, is there a world out there? We thought it was solid. Now you you get these pictures where, you know, like one atom is like there's a whole football stadium between another one or something like that. There's, there's no hard things out there. So the perception of what matter is is so varied that it's a, it's a real question. Is there an objective world? Is there a natural world? Hmm? So you can believe that there is and proceed in life by experimenting with it and getting results and so forth. Hmm? But the difference between the path of knowledge, which is a spiritual path, hmm, which requires going inward, right, rather than outward, hmm, is that the outward path, using science as an example, proceeds on the basis of the belief that there is an external world and the meditative path proceeds on the basis of the truth of the fact that we experience hmm? there's a belief that our experience of the world is real hmm? could be might not be hmm? but that we experience that's for sure hmm? that can't be denied try it you can say i don't experience but that doesn't mean that's like saying i'm dead you can say it, the words, but it doesn't have any meaning. Hmm? To say I experience requires an experiencer. Hmm? So you see, they this had this idea in modern times that religion is some kind of like imagination, spiritual life, some kind of fantasy. Science is just the hard facts. But actually, science is based on a belief. And the meditative pursuit is actually is based on a fact and it's pursuing the nature of that fact. What is the nature of experience? There's non-experiential reality, like this cup is non-experiential, and the water in it. Hmm? But I have the experience of drinking, of holding the cup. Hmm? So I'm experiential. Matter is non-experiential. It would be quite magical Right? For non experiencing reality suddenly to start being coming an experiencing reality. Do you follow me? People say religious thinking is magical thinking. Hmm? But materialistic thinking, materialism as a philosophy, is magical thinking because it it presumes that. Non-experiential reality, at some point, organizes itself to become experiential. Hmm? In other words, the same ingredients that make up this table and this cup, hmm, basically, the same ingredients that make up matter in any form are the same ingredients that my brain is made out of. Hmm? So the thought is that somehow these, these, these ingredients have come together on their own by chance, and they've organized in such a way that a brain, which is just matter, starts to feel. Hmm? I've given an example before, like a pool ball saying, ouch, all of a sudden. Why do you, you know, Could you put a little chalk on that stick? We laugh at that, because that's magical thinking, that's materialism. Hmm? That is materialism. You understand? This is how they think. Hmm? We're not unreasonable to think that that is rather preposterous—that experience could come out of non-experience. <clears throat> hmm? Hmm? So there's some there's some logic to what we're doing here, some sense, of some sense, some common sense. Hmm? And so we move from worldly orientation in our pursuit of happiness, from outward reach hmm, to interacting with whatever's out there, if there's anything out there, hmm, to exploring, exploring what we know exists ourself as a unit of experience. What is the nature of ex- experiential reality? Hmm. Isn't that more exciting than exploring non-experiential reality? But that may be a little more to be found there, a little more interesting. Hmm? Certainly, this is the meditative idea. So, rather than pursue a self that's identified with non-experiential stuff, hmm? pursue yourself. Hmm? So then we stop action in relation to the world. Then we sit, we meditate, hmm? and we we, we 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 transcend the. Goods and bads, the happies and sads, the, the libertarian, the, the socialist, the democrat, the republican, um, however you want to talk about these opposites. Hmm? Hmm. We transcend them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is the subject here. Hmm? So don't ask me who will vote for, or you know, whatever. That's all relative. I have a relative opinion too, but it's all relative. (laughs) There's something more important. Basically, don't ask me about politics or religion. We've already retired religion here, and we retired other pursuits. I mean, karma means the world of religion. As I said, religion for things, God for things. This is God for you instead of for things. Know yourself. And you're not a thing, so that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. That requires you—you to, you to, you to think deeply, right? Indeed, it's—it's it's said that to know the self, you have to stop thinking, because thought and things, both of them, we transcend. We are something that transcends things and thought. You cannot think; you can think yourself to the doorway of a transrational pursuit and exercise but thinking alone thought alone cannot take you to the self would speak of its, it, all its prospect in transcendence things and thought hmm, can only language hmm, thought reality transcends them We cannot capture them in thought. We can think about it and talk about it, reality, in such a way as to come to the conclusion of the limitations of things and thought, language and thought, let's say, for example, action and thought. And then learn from that side, is where the Bhagavad Gita is coming, about that which we can do that is trans. Rational, so it's a form of action and a form of thought that derives from from the other world, so to speak. And so we go from karma to jnana, hmm? but in jnana, in knowledge, there's no movement. Hmm? From there, we go to bhakti. Hmm? Bhakti, there's movement and there's thought, hmm? but it's it's fruitful hmm? because it's movement around and thought about something other than the world or thoughts about the world that's here today and gone tomorrow. And neither is it just thought about the self, that's the witness to everything that's moving around and so forth, that makes you still, that's gyan, right? And the meditative practice of just sitting. Hmm? But bhakti takes into consideration not only the self, but the source of the self. Self is seen as to be a spark of the fire that is the Godhead. Hmm? So in bhakti, bhakti means love. So in love, there's reciprocal dealings. You don't sit alone in love, not very well, not as well as if there's somebody else to love. It certainly takes on new, <laughs> more nuance and, uh, and 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 possibilities. There is a kind of a lonely. Alone love hmm? of sorts, not taking. And it might be good in this world and be, you could, could have compassion towards all beings and so forth. Hmm? Um, but compassion is also, it's a good thing, but it only pertains to a world where people need it. Hmm? We're talking about a world beyond the world of birth and death. So is there any love there? Or is that just a still place and everything moves here? Hmm? And while movement is a problem, or is there a movement that's meaningful, that's beautiful, hmm? And that's the idea of, of, of bhakti. Hmm? We saw the shortcomings of action in karma. We saw the shortcomings of, of thought hmm? in terms of reasoning as to the futility of action in relation to things that don't endure. Hmm? And ter- the idea of turning thought inward and even stopping the mind from thinking. Hmm? We think that we know because of thinking, but there's a knower that transcends the thinking apparatus, and it will be known when we can stop the thinking. That's the idea of meditation. So we stopped action and we stopped thought. Hmm? We, we, We got freed from the false self We found a real self, but he was alone. She was alone. Hmm? Movement is one thing. Thought is another thing. If we bring movement and thought together in a most harmonious sense, we have what we call love. It's another thing. Hmm? The perfection of movement and thought. Hmm? So they integrate hmm, with one another. Hmm? In, in what constitutes love. In other words, in love there is movement. In love there is thought.
1: Hmm?
0: But we can't have love in an enduring sense in relation to things that don't endure. Hmm? And we can't have love alone.
1: Right?
0: So in the karma realm, there's only a shadow of love. We want to love, and we get some semblance of love, but it but it's, it's, tends to be disappointing at times also because loved ones disappear or they turn on you or uh, and, and so forth. So should we give up on love hmm. along with things? Hmm. Um, well, the bhakti school says, no, there is real love. Hmm. And in real love there is, there is thought and movement that is not... Uh, does not result in the same disappointments that thought and movement unto themselves do. Movement unto itself is not very well thought out. Hmm? Action in relation to non-enduring things in pursuit of endurance is not a very well thought out life. The sense of I derived from having, that's not very well thought out. Hmm? So that movement should be stopped. Now the thinking that I am was bigger than I am this or I am that. That's cool. Whoa, that's different. Hmm? but there's no loving there. You could love to be, and you would love to be, if you knew the extent that you actually existed. <sighs> there would be no fear, no anxiety, no trepidation, no nothing to... Why do we move in this world? Out of fear. We don't. We, I mean, it's underlying. We don't think, I'm afraid, all the time. Hmm? But it does underlie some, some inherent underlying anxiety to some discontent, some continued ongoing state of discontent that we relieve temporarily here and there by getting something, by doing something, by change, But it just keeps coming back, keeps coming back. We're out of place like a fish out of water. So the world of action, karma, is problem world of knowing hmm? know yourself I am above I am this or I am that that's huge peaceful it's end of all fear end of all anxiety and you could love being so there's bliss in being in the being that's not derived from having hmm? but the bliss derived from being rather than from having is a static kind of bliss what do I mean by that? Let us say today that you found out that you had cancer. That wouldn't be too blissful, materially speaking. That'd be a problem. You'd have to tell your friends, and and then they would then it would register more with them than it does with you. Hmm. <laughs> and you go, yeah, I know, that's not a big deal, you know. And they're going, it is a big deal. Holy cow! Hmm. And then yeah, whatever, you know. And of course, in time, it comes on more. And it's a problem. But if then we called you back and said, oh, you know about that cancer, it was somebody else's file, it wasn't yours. And so there's oh, a huge, there's a bliss, right? It's a static bliss, though, because it's just a relief. Hmm? <gasps> I don't have cancer. Whoa, that is fantastic. Ah, I'm just feeling great. So to know experientially through meditation, for example, that I am... Hmm? And I'm not this or that which can endure. Whoa, that's blissful. In a static sense. So there's a kind of loving to be. I love being. Hmm? But the question here is, and this is the question of, in, of bhakti, and this is the secret of this middle chapter that Krishna's is emphasizing here. He's saying to us basically, look, it's one thing to love being, it's, another thi- it's, another, it's one thing to, to love to be. It's another thing to be to love. It's one thing to love existing. Another thing to exist to love. Which is better? To love to exist or resi- to exist to love. You see the difference? To love to exist is a static kind of love. To, excuse me. To, to love to exist is a static kind of love. To exist to love... This is dynamic. It requires movement. Hmm? So we were moving in relation to the world. That was problematic. Hmm? Because actually the world was just moving and we were identifying with its movements. And one of those movements was death, problem, and we struggled to put it off as much as possible, and so on and so forth. Hmm? So we stopped that kind of movement. We became still. Still. We identify with ourself, which was still, rather than the moving parts of the haunted house, of material existence. And we were scared, not scared anymore, it's all a false show, so forth, peaceful, shanti, 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 and I'm loving it. I'm loving existing, I be, forever. Hmm? This is an experience in meditation. Hmm? Uh, but now the Gita says, hold on, there's something more exciting about the fact that you are a unit of experience. First of all, you're just a unit of it. You're just a spark of the fire of of existence. And you can have a relationship with your source. So there's movement in transcendence. Ordinarily we move because we feel incomplete. We need something. We want to get something. Buy something. As soon as the desire comes, you've got to move. It's a problem. So if you have no desire, then you don't have to move. Peaceful. But the question is, There's movement out of a sense of emptiness. Can there be movement out of a sense of fullness? Or does the fullness just mean being still? So there can be movement that's not out of a sense of incompleteness. It's like I might feel so full that I begin to celebrate it. And I start to dance. This is bhakti. So in the bhakti school, there is movement. In the, in the knowing school, the gyan school, there's no movement. In the karma school, there's no knowing. You understand? You don't know that you are. You think I'm this or I'm that, and it's a problem. And you're neither of those things. In the karma school, there's no knowing. In the gyan school, the school of knowledge, there's no, there's no, there's no doing. Hmm? There's no movement. In bhakti, there's movement. Hmm? And there's a kind of knowing also. Because in love, you know what to do. You know, and it's only essential things move in relation to the source. So the main way that Krishna says that that those who are at least theoretically aware of this and starting to apply it, and even those who are ad adepts hmm, in the school of bhakti hmm, is kirtan. Hmm? Kirtan is 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 for the beginners, and is for the for the um, the graduates at the, at the same time. Hmm? Why is that so? Because it's a type of movement, if you will, hmm? but it has to be, if it coincides with what I am, eternal, that movement has to be eternal also.
1: Hmm?
0: So it's of a spiritual nature. Hmm? I'm giving an example. Loving, you know, being, having, having, being, loving. This is karma, jnana, bhakti. These are universal principles. They're not just some old terms in an ancient book. They apply to us in all situations. So we come to bhakti and about bhakti, as we've heard Krishna speaking here. He is speaking in this chapter, in the ninth chapter, about different types of persons with different types of orientations, some of them also spiritual orientations. Like the orientation, that I am, and just to be one.
1: Hmm?
0: Now there are false differences that we experience, right? You might think it's hot, I might think it's cold. So which is it? Hmm? And so we're at odds. You want to turn up the heat, I want to turn it down. It's a problem. Hmm? So we can say, hey, these, this variety is getting in the way of unity. So let's do away with the variety so that we can have unity and peace. Hmm? But that could be boring too which is variety is said to be the spice of, of life. So is there a possibility there could be unity and diversity at the same time, even though they are contradictory notions? Hmm? Love, love is, a, is, a, is a unity and a diversity at the same time, you see? In love, you and I become one. We become we. We don't cancel one another out, <laughs> but it's a dynamic kind of a union, where there's a diversity and a union at the same time. Hmm? So the union that you might arrive at by saying, we are not these bodies and minds, we are all consciousness. Hmm? You know, like Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. How are you going to do that? You're going to have to go to the ground of the being of yourself and your neighbor and see what it is you have in common and identify with that Christian says the same thing in the Bhagavad Gita. He says that the perfect yogi sees the suffering of others as if it's his own. Hmm? Because he knows I am consciousness, my neighbor is consciousness. I'm not a Republican, he's not a Democrat, I'm not a Muslim, he's not a Christian. Beyond all this,
1: hmm?
0: we are units of being, of consciousness. Units of enduring being, knowing, and we have a capacity to love. So the ground of being, if you will, a term, some philosophers coined, means we are all consciousness. So we can drive, drive at unity there. But now we're talking about, within the plane of consciousness, that unity, some variety that ornaments it. That's very peculiar. This is beyond thinking. We can talk about it, we can think a little bit about it, but it's, it's, it transcends logic for something to be one and different at the same time. Hmm? But the bhakti school says that is the nature of reality. Hmm? And we get some example, even in this world of love, as I said, it's a unity and a diversity at the same time. And we pine equally for both. Hmm? We pine for unity and we also pine for diversity at the same time so this is only possible in in the realm of consciousness where the where 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 there are there's there's more than one so to speak where there's us the parts and parcels the, the rays the sparks of the fire and the fire itself and the fire is more than the some total of the sparks, there you go, hmm? so bhakti means this relationship between the Godhead and ourself in transcendence, so it's a, it's movement in transcendence it's full of thought in transcendence. there's a statement in the sutras of Vedanta that that the reality God is that place from which thought returns, speech returns, in other words, you can't go there, hmm? You can't, you can't arrest it with language. You can't adequately describe it. It transcends speech. It transcends thought. So some schools think, therefore, we should stop thinking and stop talking. Hmm? Just be silent. Om. But our school, the Bhakti school, says, no, the meaning is this. You cannot say enough about it. Hmm? Not that you can't say anything about it. You cannot say enough about it. You can go on forever speaking about it, and you will never be able to fully describe it. You cannot think enough about it. It's always showing new facets of itself, and so forth. So there is scope for doing and scope for for thinking when both of these karma and jnana are maidservants of the bride of bhakti. And so how is that what is that that movement? Movement we say movement and thought, so it means mental means mental emotional. Hmm? So it means in bhakti there's movement, we can move with the senses, and we can experience emotional life. Hmm. That's the thought world, if you will. Hmm? Both the movement and the mental emotional life, however, is is, is derived from being focused on an object that is not here today and gone tomorrow, which is the problem with our present movement and mental-emotional life. Hmm? So that is what is meant by Krishna. Hmm? It's, a, it's a particular way in which the Hindus and the Bhagavad Gita, well, have spoken about the nature of, um, of being, the most lovable object, about which then singing is quite natural,
1: Hmm?
0: Hmm? right so he says satatam kirtayantumam he's, he's, he said to mamparta." said so, there's another, other types of people he's speaking about different types of transcendentalists he said now there are others I call them Krishna's mahatmas mahatma great souls atma means soul maha means great great souls and here's what they do satatam kirtayantumam they are always doing kirtan about me. Hmm? You see, I said earlier, the qualities are changeless. Hmm? We should not think that all of the variety of this world, hmm, all the qualitative experiences of this world, hmm, have nothing to do with the nature of the absolute. Sometimes it's said that man and women are made in the image of Radha and Krishna <laughs> of God. Hmm? Man and woman made in the image of God. Hmm? This world the Tantra says, as above, so below. Hmm? So this is the reflection. Hmm? So in order for there to be us to be able to say anything about transcendence, it has to have some qualities, ultimately. So Krishna is the manifestation of transcendence with qualities. Brahman is the manifestation of transcendence that's that's indeterminate, without qualities. You can't say anything about it. It's the great. And that's it, silent. But Krishna is the manifestation of divinity about which one can actually speak, in, in relation to whom one can actually interact. Hmm? Um, and, and, and 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 without such qualities... And specificity, how can you love? Hmm? You love somebody because they're like this, they're like that, and so forth. So, so there's kirtan about Krishna's qualities. There's, Krishna, there's kirtan about Krishna's uh, leelas, the play of God, if you will. Hmm? And there's kirtan uh, by invoking the different names of God, like the Bible says. In the beginning there was the word, the word, there's a sac- sacred word, sacred sound, the logos. Logos also means logical. This is, isn't it? So there's a logic to the sound. The sound transcends logic, but there's a logic to invoking the sound. That it it, it comes from beyond the world of the mind and and thought, because it can take us there. There are sounds that come from there, hmm? and and they can enter your ears though. You're always open. You can't close your ears. It's pretty hard. You can like this for a little while, but you can't walk around like this all the time. So they're always open, and the sounds can go in. This is the virtue of kirtan, you see. I could do kirtan, and you may not be interested, but it's hard to avoid it.
1: <laughs>
0: if you're in earshot, then you will be affected by that. So in the form of his name, the point is that God makes himself very accessible. He enters the world. Here the name and the named are the same. The sound corresponds with the... There are many names of God, that's true, but God has many qualities. We should not think he's quality-less. Hmm? Right? The, this world is only a reflection there. So there are qualities. It's not that we had to do away with all cultural differences and so forth to end up in transcendence. It has no diversity. No. The imperfection here is... What is imperfection? It's imperfect perfect. Imperfection is the imperfect form of the perfect. (laughs) So there's something here, much of what is here, if you will, in in this world, that's found there. Imperfection. It's not to do away with all specificity and, and variety and so forth. We're going to arrive at some common ground where there's nothing to do. <laughs> and there's nobody to love because there's no differences, there's no variety, there's no movement problem. Hmm? So Kirtan is not for that. Kirtan Krishna says here, this is, for, this is what my devotees do. Those in the school of bhakti, they do that.
1: Hmm?
0: It's actually not for the school of jnana, not for the school of karma, although in karma we sing too. Hmm? In jnana we're supposed to become silent. But now many jnanis, neo neo advaitins they'd also do kirtan. Hmm. they try to incorporate it into their practice. It's actually an anga, a limb of the body, of the practice of bhakti, hmm. and the primary one, especially in the times in which we live. And the kirtan of the name of Krishna, of God, there may be other names as well, but this is most uh, powerful. Now, we, it's worth emphasizing the name of Krishna, because why? Those who are in the school of bhakti and, and honing this idea of kirtan, Right. which is a universal idea. In other words, that, there is, that, that all movement has sound related to it. Even the movement of electrons within the atom, there's a, they, they make a sound when they do it. No movement is free from sound. Sound is very basic to the world. The Hindus understand that sound is the basis of the world. The world is coming out of sound. Hmm? And by sound you can transcend the world and know yourself and your prospect and transcendence. Hmm? and so so this idea of kirtan is honing this principle. It's a universal principle. I've talked about it just in a scientific sense. it's sound that, you know string theory, for example, it's basically saying there are vibrations as deep as you go into matter, you find vibrations metaphorically it's been described as the world is a concert in the mind of God hmm? by 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 physicists so the, so, so it's uh, so we agree. We just take it a little further, and, and 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 so to these, those who have honed these sound, That is the position of our uh, Sri Chaitanya. Who I mentioned in his youth was a pundit, and he would make logic look silly itself, in order to tell us that by logic alone you never get any real standing. You need a trans-rational method. Arrive at real, conclusive meaning, absolute meaning, value, and so forth. And his method, his transrational method was Kirtan. It's not a foreign method. Even from a secular point of view, as I said, sound is important. Recently, I saw an invention that some students came up with at Harvard, and they showed it on, on the internet that you, it's a machine, it makes a sound, you can't hear it. But it makes a sound and it puts out fire. And so they took they put gasoline on the ground, lit a match, put the machine, fire went out. Hmm? So the efficacy of sound, we know a little bit about the efficacy of fire, electricity, and we got computers, and we're wired and so forth. But the efficacy of sound, which is a material thing also, has not been explored to the same extent. But you can see it it's quite a bit of prospect there. Hmm? There was another experiment. Dugal Chandra brought me the attention of it. They, 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 by sound, they were holding drops of water, levitating drops of water in the laboratory. Hmm. Um, so the, there's power in sound. There's power in sound. Let everybody go to the streets. You want to change the world, you know, politically. Everybody go to the street and start shouting. It'll change, right? This would happen in, in, in Soviet Union. Everybody took to the street and started shouting. We want to change, and what can you do? I mean, the, the world is, the union's made up of the people. And so, you know, Gorbachev either had to change or get out of town at that time. That was uh, before some of you were born, actually, probably. But anyway, uh, there's power and sound. And all the religious sects, all of them agree this with this. The, 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 the Christians say that the, 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 the name of God is sacred, isn't it? Hmm? In different ways. In the beginning, there was the word, the word was one. What is it? A song,
1: make a joyful noise unto the Lord. There you go.
0: Yeah. And who, yeah. And in the, the, uh, the, the Jewish people, they say that the God name of God is so sacred, you can't say it. Don't say it. It's too sacred. Something like that. So they have the Muslims, Islamic faith, they have 99 names of God. They have their beads. They chant that. So this is a universal principle. It's not a sectarian principle. Our founder, Chaitanya, and and he followed Bhagavad Gita, wanted a universal principle hmm, of spirituality that everybody could partake in. So his idea was, let's hone this idea. Everybody already accepts. hmm? Kirtan, hmm? sacred sound. And so someone who has done that, he arrived at the conclusion that this particular sound, Krishna, was most complete in terms of it being an address That corresponds with the full potential of the Absolute. Hmm? Um, You could say God is Creator, 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 you know, uh, Great One, the Great One, the Omniscient, the Omniscient. That's okay, that's that's fair. I mean, you know, but you can't, different names of God correspond with different aspects of the Godhead. So, you know, Creator, Creator, great, but we already talked about talked about we want to get out of the creation, <laughs> you know because it's a it's a temporary one, and we're not, so that wouldn't be the best name to chant necessarily that aspect now Krishna speaks about the heart almost the almost like the romantic heart of divinity, hmm? so it's a very profound sense and 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 it speaks about the Krishna Kirtan, using this name for example, speaks about the possibility of entering a a very um, intimate union with the Just like you, you know, there's like if you say, okay, I love my friend, hmm? I love you know my wife, I love my daughter, I love my son, and I love God. Well, that's okay. You love your friend, you love your son, you love your daughter, you love your wife, you love your husband, all the time. And, you know, you go to church on Sunday, <laughs> love God on Sunday. God lives somewhere else, and I live with all the people I love, and then God has his own place, and every now and then I go there. I try to bring him into my place in such a way that my love for my friend will be better, my love for my wife will be better, my love for my son will be better. But the more... In most people's life, the love for their son, their friend, their, is more powerful than the love of God. It's more intimate, that's for sure. You don't walk up on the, you know, the songs about God in most churches are like, oh God, God is great, God save me, God, you're up there and I'm down here and so there's this reverence. The Greeks call it agape. right? It's reverential love name of Krishna, however, is thought to transport us to a dimension in which there can be love of God just like you love your friend, just like you love your son. There was a a missionary of sorts from our tradition back in the 1930s who went to Europe for the first time. So he was speaking to some Germans and they, they said, well, we're having a drama. They were Christians tonight. And in the drama... It's a theistic drama. Why don't you come? So he said, okay. So he went. And in the drama, there was the main stage and there was the balcony. Hmm? And so God was in the balcony. That was his role. Hmm? The main stage, something was going on. The earth, right? And then God had a role in the theistic drama. Every now and then, God said, bad. You You know, and every now and then, he said, good. Okay, go back in the balcony. So he was in the he was in the balcony, but the main stage was something else. So afterwards they asked our missionary, what did you think of the drama? He said, Very nice, I like it. it's very nice. He said, The difference is that in our tradition, God's not in the balcony. Hmm? He's on the main stage. Hmm? And so a different kind of loving possibility. And this is possible in Kirtan. Hmm? So through kirtan, and through kirtan of the name of Krishna. You can do kirtan of other names of God, and then you have to think what that name means, what aspect of God it pertains to, and what what type of experience then in transcendence it will give you of yourself and your source, who's multifaceted. The Krishna name seeks to acquaint us with the fullness of the self of the Godhead, our source's potential to love. And such that we can be colored with a certain kind of love and intimacy like love and friendship or even like romantic love which is so compelling but for, for God something like that it's a very a beautiful um, idea and so Krishna says this was what characterizes those whom I call Mahatmas great souls they're not Duratmas selfish people who are Calling on God for things, or not even calling on God and trying to get things, only for themselves. Hmm? They're not the people that stopped taking things and decided taking is bad. Hmm? To stop taking is part of loving, but it's hardly the whole thing. Hmm? So, from false having to I am is to go from being a thief to not stealing. You go from not stealing to giving. That is, to go from knowing to bhakti, to loving. Mm-hmm. And if you want to love fully? Then we should be able to love like we do in this world, except that the object of our love will be the Godhead. And Krishna is that form of the Godhead that, that accepts that type of intimate love in divine play. And so he says... And my devotees, this is Krishna speaking in the Gita, this is how they can be known. They do kirtan. Satatam kirtayantomam. He says, yatantas chadra-dabrata. So I said earlier, and I'll conclude with this, this kirtan is for beginners and for graduates. Hmm? Why? Because if it's a type of movement then that pertains to a self that's eternal, it has to be of an eternal nature also. Hmm? Right? So we can only leave a material problem by a spiritual solution. So the solution, the method, must be synonymous with the goal. The goal is eternal, then the method must be eternal. If the goal is temporary, then it's derived from this world. How can it have currency to take us to that world? Hmm. So... The, 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 the In some sense, the journey must also be the destination. Hmm? So bhakti is done not for anything, but for its own sake. Hmm? Bhakti for bhakti. I serve to have more opportunity to serve. I love for more opportunity to love, to increase my love. So there's love in bhakti that is for beginners. Hmm? where we kind of go through the motions. We get the philosophy, so we think, okay, that sounds pretty good. I, can, I like those people, and music's not too bad, a little weird, but anyway, we try it out. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and so we try it. Hmm? Hmm. We kind of, imitation of a good thing is a good thing. And we tried for several years, we're still trying to figure it out. You know? but the philosophy keeps us going. And somebody who has deep experience gives us a prospect in his or her company that, oh, there's, there's more to be had from this. I, I I believe it because I can feel that he or she is experiencing it. So I'll keep keep trying. That That's important, that kind of company. And that kind of person will also teach about it. Try to talk about his or her experience and put it in terms that we can get a handle on and, and, and that will compel us to continue the practice of the chanting. So there's chanting in practice and there's chanting in perfection. And the chanting in practice is what we do with our physical senses. We exercise our tongue, and we exercise our lips, for example, and then we, we exercise our heart in an emotional sense, hmm? by, by we're trying to give, do it with attention, pay attention. Hmm? So where your heart is, that's where you are, right? That's where your attention is. If you want to control the mind, give your heart to whatever it is you want to control and whatever it is you want to focus on. If you give your heart to what you want to focus on, then your mind will tend to focus there. Hmm? Your mind will follow the heart. Hmm? So in, in, in that way, we try to give ourselves. And, and how? Krishna says, Satatam means that you do kirtan, but there are other things that you do too. You embrace the things that are favorable to the kirtan to the practice, with great determination. And there are things that are not favorable and you give them up. Like, we, like Let's say, for example, bhakti is about loving. Hmm? And so one of the things that we give up in the culture of loving God is, well, violence, unnecessary violence. So ahimsa, you know the term ahimsa? Ahimsa means nonviolence. So devotees, for example, they take up commitments like, "I will not unnecessarily cause harm to another living being." okay? So, for example, it's not necessary to live and live healthily and be involved in animal slaughter. So they, they typically become vegetarians. It's a, it's, so this is the kind of like commitments that they make, things like this that would be favorable for the chanting, dridabrita, and they do it in a determined way. So I'm just giving a simple example, but there are a number of things that we do and things that we don't do that won't be favorable. So embracing all of those things. So it's not just chanting, but there's some there's some effort to it as well. It's just a lifestyle, if you will. It's a lifestyle. It could be a lifestyle as a monastic, like myself, a monk. I've been a monk for my whole adult life since I was about 22. I'm 66 now. Um, and uh, But there are others here who've been married for many years, have children and grandchildren and so forth. and they practice. So there are different lifestyles by which this bhakti and centered on kirtan can be practiced. But it all includes some effort to change your lifestyle within certain parameters that will be favorable for bhakti so krishna says my devotees they do kirtan and they do with great effort they accept certain commitments they make certain promises to themselves to their to their to the teacher i will do like this and i won't do like this and and, and they then they hold hands together to get strength and numbers to do that so this is very much relevant to the stage of practice, hmm? cultivating sharanagati, anukulasya sankalpa pratikulasya, but accept the favorable, reject the unfavorable things to bhakti. Now I accept things as favorable as or unfavorable according to my sensual and mental determinations. For example, my mind may tell me and my body may tell me Ah, it's good to sleep late in the morning. Mm. But in the school of bhakti, we learn it's good to get up early in the morning. Mm. So, So rather than following my mind and my senses and making determination whether something is good or bad, I determine if it's good for bhakti, it's bad. It's good. If it's bad for bhakti, it's bad. Even when my senses may dictate otherwise. So I'm no longer living in this world of goods and bads based on my sense perception and my mental determinations, but based on a higher principle, which may contradict what my body and mind may tell me to some extent. And the whole idea is we're we're trying to realize that we are something that transcends the body and the mind. So, you understand? This is part of it. These t- so there are some, some type of things that we uh, include in the practice, if you will. Uh, this is at, at 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 the ground levels. This is very much relative to the practicing stage. We were trying to like just sub- submit to a higher ideal and not continue to move within the what's ever born in my mind. That's like a small thing. If it's born in the mind; it will die in the mind. Hmm? This is an idea that's not born in the mind. It comes from the sacred text. It comes from revelation. Hmm? So it will give you life beyond you know the. The sense of self that's derived in the mind. I am this or that, as we said earlier. So, with the, they, this is for the practitioners, and then namashyantus chaman bhaktya nitduyuktapasate. And for the for
1: the
0: for the graduates, hmm? They There is an emotive component. There's the physical component. I do the chanting. I go through the practice. I give my heart to it, and as I give my heart to it i make a, I actually make a connection with with this, with this, with krishna hmm? as so i start to develop an emotional life hmm? in relation to krishna these are this is an emotional life that comes out of the self the atma not the body and the mind hmm? and that emotional life takes the form of like friendly love for krishna romantic love for krishna
1: hmm?
0: that would be based on our association our guru and kind of the way it's passing through the good, good, good association that we get to us and influencing us. Hmm? And so then gradually we develop an identity to the kirtan. Hmm? Hmm? Not only I am, I am not this, I am not that, I am and I am also a lover of God in this way or that way, in all of it, in intimacy. So there's much power and, and fruit, if you will, to uh, a sweet that comes from the exercise of kirtan. Any question? I Said a lot there, a lot to digest. Yeah, so there's some philosophy that underlies the chanting. We're not that crazy. We've thought it out a little bit before, starting to beat on these drums and things. Yes, I'm sorry.
1: So, the, I heard you speak in one lecture, the three I am's, aham, hamas, me,
0: no, excuse me, um, um, the, anyway, I am the body, I am Brahman, and I am aham, ahata. So, would you say that last one, aham, ahata, is I am a lover of God? Is that how you would translate that third one? Oh, I see. That's what you were asking. You sent me me you know, I answered you in a different way. Uh-huh. uh Hamahata means um, no, uh-huh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, it, it means that it means that um, that the atma has a sense of it's a I "I am." Hmm? It's the
1: same as a hamanasan.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So is a, there a third aha, aha
1: yeah. or
0: a bhakti? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. In other yeah. words, inherent in the self is the sense of that that I. There's an ego, and I exist, that I exist. I am is to say that I I exist. I am this or that is another thing. That's the I that's derived from having, which is false. So I am. So I am American? No. I am male, female? No. That's a contrived sense of I. I am, in the sense that's that's inherent in itself, I am is... I'm not Brahman, but I am. Mm, that's different. Umar must be means I'm I'm like Brahman ultimately. But then, then, then there is that. Um, 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 what is the third one? You want to know? Yeah. Third one is I'm a Gopa. <laughs> I'm a Gopi. It means um, uh, 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 how do you say? Um, Daso smi mm. So you have
1: ahankar, ahankarma smi and daso smi Yeah. Mm. Mm.
0: Tattvamasi? Tattvamasi, well, yeah. In a, in a Gaudiya translation of it, yeah. yeah. I am his.
1: Because I was trying to play with aham. I
0: am this, I am that. No, I am, yes, and I am his. That's a further developed idea. I am, and I belong to someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are different ways you could. Because I was trying to, you know, the aham, uh, ahamkar, um, uh, aham uh, brahmasmi, and then I thought the hum ahata was
1: uh-huh,
0: yeah. more like that, but it's more like the aham brahmasmi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Is there a gray area?
1: It seems like when you say beyond yeah, this knowledge, there's no movement. But then. Say, I'm trying to think of an example of, okay, someone who is brought to the temple, they don't really, they're not in bhakti yet, they, they don't have love, but maybe they'll do do something out of knowledge, the, the person who brings them said, well, you should sweep the floor, uh, this will be good for you, and so they do it out of knowledge. There's some movement here, but is that is that bhakti yet?
0: Sure, Yeah. Yeah, in the beginning stage. Hmm? Yeah. 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 If you touch fire, you'll get burnt, whether you think about it or not. Right? So if you touch bhakti, knowingly or unknowingly, if you do siddha bhakti, then you're going to get some result. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What will you get? You'll get love. Hmm. So, you know, love, if you love someone, you serve them. So if you do service unknowingly, then I may take notice, even though you may not. Hmm. Oh, she's sweeping my temple. Hmm. I may think, very nice. So how can there not be a result?
1: Hmm.
0: In other words, the other end is not unconscious. You may be. but god's not <laughs> and not only god but the surup shakti krishna's associates with other devotees what do they think they think oh very nice so if if you're doing something in a temple for example and unknowingly that's your part your side of it but the devotees are knowing and so they they appreciate it, and the generosity goes to you and so is that good right so so you're getting something.
1: Talking about beyond, you're referring to the other side, not Krishna. You're referring to people who are in beyond who just have knowledge.
0: Well, there's different kinds of knowledge. There's knowledge of the self, and that, that the knowledge that the self is different from the body. Hmm? That's true. But there's another kind of knowledge. There's knowledge about Krishna that you can get theoretically. I mean, when you apply it, then you can enter into that realm. But there's theoretical knowledge. There's knowledge about Krishna. So I said Bhakti has knowledge and movement, right? Hmm? So There's a certain kind of knowledge. That it includes the knowledge that you're different than the body, but, there's, but that you're a servant of Krishna is also part of that. And what Krishna's like, and this is all part of that knowledge. So a new person can come and get that kind of knowledge theoretically. Hmm? And based on that, they may in, engage in some service to Krishna. They may, may be partially understood it or, or not completely, but they may be inspired and, and so forth. And, and there'll be some results. So. Does that help? Okay. Well, it's nice to chat with you all. And uh, you've been a very patient audience. I do appreciate it. What is the time now? Okay, so then we'll proceed with the program, and uh, there'll be some prasadams and for everybody, and we'll, for those of you here, we'll meet tonight, and we'll just answer questions and and uh, carry on. <laughs> Shri Bhagavad Gita Ki Bhakti Prem <laughs>